0: following podcast was recorded on Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, featuring Jim Bianco of Bianco Research and Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at biancoresearch.com or arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800- 606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to Talking Data. Our Talking Data series seeks to offer timely insights into macro market themes along with macro data and its impact on the economy and markets. I'm your host, Kristen Radish of Arbor Research and Trading, joined today by our presenters, Jim Bianco of Bianco Research and Ben Breiholtz of Arbor Data Science. Welcome to both of you. Today, Jim and Ben will discuss if growth matters more than inflation. Jim, we're gonna get started with you. Seven trading days ago, 10-year yields were 1.42%. Two days ago, 1.12%. As of this morning, 1.32%. Now we're at 1.23%. What can you tell us?
1: That's been a wild ride for the last six or seven days or so in the bond market. So. Uh, It hasn't been a clear cut story as to which way it's going. But if we go to the first chart uh, that I've got here, it shows uh, the blue line shows the reopening stocks, otherwise known as the Goldman Sachs health risk uh, stock index. So it's the airlines and the rental car companies and the cruise ships and the restaurants and all of the companies you would expect that would be in the reopening camp. And the black line is the & p. Now, if you look at the bottom chart, the green line shows the relative ratio of how the reopening stocks are doing, and the orange line shows the 10 year yield. And unbelievably, the 10-year yield is exactly the same thing or almost as the reopening stocks. Reopening stocks are going up and down with the prospects of growth. Reopening stocks relative performance peaked in late March and it has been has been falling with interest rates. So while I've been here with Ben, talking about transitory, not transitory, you know, inflation, uh, whether or not we're gonna get housing inflation and inflation matters, inflation's the biggest story, which I still think is bigger term. Right now, the bond market isn't concerned about that. It seems by by this chart, it seems it's more concerned about growth and it sees issues with growth. If you go to the next chart um, real quick, it shows, the, um, it shows the reopening stocks, and on the bottom, it shows a rolling 10-day percentage change. The reopening stocks through Monday, they're rebounding a little bit now, but through Monday had the worst 10-day period since Pfizer announced the vaccine back last November. So really, I think where the market's mind is, is are we having a growth scare? And is that growth scare associated maybe with the Delta variant and the Delta variant leading to, you know, maybe some kind of restriction, or is it something else? But for right now, it does seem like while inflation I think is an important story, whether it's transitory or non-transitory market seems to be more concerned about growth.
2: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's the case. Um, You know, I, I, if I was to just, you know, kind of come out and say, fine, what, how much is it inflation versus growth? I think yeah, it's 80% growth, 20% inflation. There's no doubt that the inflation expectations for CPI headline and for core have been dampened over the most recent weeks. The investors have kind of taken away that better than 50% chance that we'd see two and a half percent inflation headline over the next 10 years. That's now somewhere around 40 to 45%. Uh, but at the same time, they haven't tore down the expectations for rate hikes between December, 2023 and December, 2021. We still have about 70 basis points um, there. So investors are still somewhat concerned about inflation. They're just kind of on the fence and not sure again, transitory or not. That debate and sadly is gonna keep going. Uh, but I, I agree with Jim, a lot of the uh, data that we pull in kind of alternative data supports the idea that consumer spending intentions it peaked really at towards the end of uh, really uh, March, beginning of, of April. So even looking at consumer spending here, we have a chart that shows uh, via factius the actual credit card and, and such activity for the lower to middle income consumer and what we saw was these bursts of activity specifically for going out style um, goods and services after each stimulus check so back you know in uh you know march april of 2020 then we saw another one start this year then again in march um, and then we saw things start to taper off this is year over year changes in actual uh, retail spending for this cohort fortunately that's actually begun to rebound over the past couple of weeks and this is somewhat akin to the search activity that I have here too, that we have a chart on for the US. And it's, it paints a similar picture. This is actually on the global space, but here we have a chart that shows on a rolling five week basis, what is happening to Google searches across five big economies, you know, US, Germany, um, Japan, and so on. Um, and in orange are these going, or sorry, it's a staying in type topics, everything from I need a computer to a Peloton to blue showing, you know, uh, those that are getting out goods, goods and services, everything from car rentals, flying, and so on. And what you can see is that it did peak uh, somewhere towards the end of March, early April, and has retreated. And it actually fits very well with 10-year note yield. So if I take this chart and all these series and get a nice average all the way back to the beginning of 2020, what you're left with is a chart that looks almost identical to the U.S. 10-year note yield. So again, further evidence, like Jim had just kind of laid out that this is somewhat of a concern that growth is dampening and maybe we've reached some kind of pinnacle after all of these stimulus checks. And now, now <laughs> investors are beginning to tear down expectations and maybe seek the safety of these staying in tech-focused stocks.
1: But I'll Jim, just add one, can I just add yeah, one yeah. quick thing? And that is growth really matters too because Earlier this year, we were talking about, and the Federal Reserve is looking at 7% GDP for 2022 or 21, excuse me, and that would be the highest level since 1984, 37 year peak. Earnings expectations for the second quarter are 70% higher than the second quarter of last year. There's a base effect in there, but still 25% third quarter over third quarter. So when you've got BAFO numbers that you're expecting and you're paying a 23 forward P.E., which is a very big number uh, in the stock market, you've got no room for error. You know, if we were expecting, you know, one and a half percent GDP and 10 percent earnings and at a 15 forward P.E. All right. People said growth is going to stumble a little bit. No big deal. But this is not the environment we're in right now. So. That's why another reason why I think that the growth story is, you know, maybe been underestimated by me and maybe underestimated by others is because it's such a heady number and it's such a high hurdle to hit that anything that would cause a stumble on it is going to get noticed.
0: So, Jim, will there be economic restrictions coming?
1: Well, that's the big question Um, uh, Ben and I have been kicking around as well, too, is that If you give, I'm going to be, forgive me for being cynical, because this is the only way I can answer this. If you give a bunch of politicians a bunch of options, they always pick the wrong one, because that's what they do. They pick the one that's in their own best interest. A bunch of politicians ran for office last year, not just Biden, but Biden too, saying the other guy didn't do enough to stop the virus, and I will. Okay, now if we get a rise in cases... I don't expect these same politicians to say, now I'm a libertarian, everybody's got personal responsibility, here's the risk, good luck, go about your business. And the fear is, again, with those big growth rates, that some kind of a restriction will be put into place. Maybe not a full lockdown, but you don't need that uh, in terms of when you're expecting growth. Also, voluntary restrictions. Um I'll use the Chicago example because we're in Chicago. There's a Cubs game tonight. They're going to get 41,000 maskless people at the Cubs game. Tomorrow night, all the bars in Chicago are going to be packed to overflowing in the street. But there's a bunch of big buildings in the loop, this the Central Business District in Chicago. And, oh, no, I can't go to the office because it's dangerous and I might die. But you won't at the Cubs game and you won't at the bars. And that's what I'm trying to say is, There's still an issue about going back to the office. We could debate that in another podcast, but the Delta variant could be just the example or just the excuse people need to the big reopening of the office that's supposed to come Labor Day might not come Labor Day.
2: And I think that's true. You know, I, We have some firm evidence too with the likes of Apple you know, after they were basically pestered by their employees to extend their work from home. And I, I know plenty of other um, individuals in this industry and other industries that have seen extensions from, I like think you said Labor Day is a big one um, and it's been pushed into maybe October or so. And I think a lot of us investors were preparing for this, this great, this grand return to offices. Um, and that's something that we saw Start a little bit. If you look at the Castle Back to Work barometers, those did pop in the past couple of weeks, which is um, somewhat encouraging. But I think that the the anecdotal evidence indicates that that's going to be just like it had been over the past number of months a long slog. And like you said, Jim, there's two elements here. One is actual real hesitancy due to the Delta variant. The other is just what are these offices for, and are you know are people really going to return in full bore um, anyway?
1: Yeah, just to finish off the thought on that, we were talking about this, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, are more senior in their office and they're like, yes, we have to get back to the office. The office is very important because the office is, let's be blunt, the office has been structured around the senior people in the office and it's suited for them. But the majority of people in the office might be working at clerical jobs or support jobs or administrative jobs. The office has not been as suited for them as well, too. They're the ones that are pushing back. So you might have a bunch of managing directors and executive vice presidents saying, yes, we have to get back to the office, but you're going to have far more clerical and administrative and support staff saying, I'm just fine staying at home. Uh, And that's really the push-pull that we're going to have to solve. That's the one thing that we haven't really had a discussion with because everybody wants to go back to 2019 as quickly as possible. And this is a growth concern. If, we, if we're gonna push off the office again, this is going to be an office real estate valuation concern. If we start pushing off the office again, because of the Delta variant, whether it's mandated by government or it's just an excuse by workers that they don't wanna go back.
0: What's the latest on transitory?
2: I can go ahead and start this. So the uh, this is where Jim and I will probably diverge a little bit, but maybe have some similarities here. We'll see. Um, but so uh, what I've been watching lately is some of the survey data uh, regarding transitory, and then we can talk about markets too. But the prices paid and delivery time surveys from ISM, all the different Fed regional surveys, those peaked in uh, May and June of this year. So there are some indications and, it, and peaked again at some of the highest levels we've ever seen. So, you know, maybe, you know, a slight pullback isn't that big a deal. It doesn't mean this trend is over. But um, you know, historically when we've seen, you know, kind of three plus, two plus standard deviation events and gotten a peak, that's been a lasting phenomenon or lasting peak that we usually see this mean reversion and that takes somewhere between 10 to 12 months, which means that some of these supply chain woes could bleed into, you know, April of 2022. Um, and I think the Fed and others have come to grips with the idea that this transitory inflation is not two to three months, like Jim likes to say, which was really good. And I agree with it, that It's a state of mind. Um, and it's something that, you know, it's something that could persist and is something that could be leaned on for some time. So with prices paid, delivery times peaking, and we at extreme. So for example, within PPI, looking at all the different miscellaneous commodities, and there's you know, hundreds of them, um, there's 89% of them are positive on a three-month annualized basis. And that's something that historically is truly a point of exhaust and some something that usually begs mean reversion. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. And if you look historically at global recovery since 1960, we're at exactly the point in a global recovery where commodities, yields, tips break evens, other forms of inflation expectations began to go nothing but sideways. And that's what Jim and I have been preaching for the past number of weeks or really months, is that we get this kind of churn sideways action. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what's happening. Now, from the market's perspective, I think the markets have uh, remained as confused as ever. Um, Like I said earlier, uh, inflation expectations have taken away that right side tail, sort of, um, uh, for the 10-year to 30-year outlook for CPI. So that's dipped down to a 45% probability of 2.5% headline inflation for the long haul. Um, and I think that is kind of why inflation maybe hasn't mattered so much. Everyone's just kind of on the fence. Um, but the big story is gonna be this transitory kind of supply chain induced issues are going to, or are showing signs of peaking. But on the other side, we have wage inflation that's that's brewing. And we most certainly have rents and shelter inflation that's brewing. So if you look at apartment list and Zillow uh, for their rent estimates, and you go ahead and use them to you know, match them up with OER, which means you typically have to take some kind of average and then lag them by approximately six to 12 months. That suggests by early next year, we could be running five, 6% on OER, uh, which would add a quite a hefty margin, you know, something almost you know one and a half uh, plus percent to core inflation. And that's gonna be something that, how much does the drop in the supply or in the transitory stuff um, uh, how much does it fall relative to the rise in rents? And it, it could be a big battle and one that keeps inflation somewhat you know, moderately higher uh, than we've seen historically.
1: So I, I want to chime in by asking Ben a couple of questions because I want to emphasize, what you, I agree that the reopening surge of prices has probably peaked and whether it's used cars, airline tickets, on down the line um, is going to start coming down. But we could have a lift, as you pointed out, with um, rents and house or shelter inflation. That's 40%, percent 40 percent of uh, core CPI. So even though you've got these BAFO used car prices and airline tickets that are up 120% annualized and don't come down rapidly, if that rent number starts moving up, overall inflation stays high. The question to you, Ben, on the labor's front we're seeing 25 states have ended the extra $300. Are we seeing any evidence that there's a different pattern in those states yet versus the 25 states that have not ended it?
2: Yeah, this has been a good uh, debate and discussion. So, for example, Indeed, uh, you know, a number of weeks ago showed that there is somewhat of a difference, that they have been surprised that those that have been rolling off have not been uh, hitting their job boards or job seeking as much as, as as expected, which is a huge conundrum and very confusing and going to be a difficult one for policymakers. Uh, on the flip side, if you look at search activity, um, it kind of paints a different picture. And I, and I, I kind of lean on the search side. And what I'm seeing is the job market remains pretty healthy. Um, uh, and what's really become healthy is the amount of search activity about wages and salaries. So I think we have, uh, you know, you have would-be, Um, you know, applicants that are very conscious of, of course, needing or demanding a higher wage, higher salary, which will eventually, I think, trickle through and continue to to keep um, wages, you know, on the mend and on the rise. So, again, that's another confusing story. How different are these 25, 26, you know, Republican-led states? that have ended these, um, you know, extended uh, unemployment benefits or enhanced unemployment benefits? How di- How is it different? I don't think we know yet. And that's something we probably won't know until August or so until we get enough data to see how much they're searching, how many jobs are added, um, and so on. We can put that as another big um, cross your eyes, you know, confusion type thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that the debate on inflation, whether it's transitory, has now shifted from like I said, the used cars, we're going to be looking at whether we're going to get wage inflation. Is the $300 the real problem with why people aren't going back to work? We've got an experiment underway between the Republican states and the Democrat states, still early days on the experiment. We can't say one way or the other, and shelter. And how do those do? And as Ben mentioned, I think the other thing about transitory is it's a state of mind. Look, the inflation rate could go to 1%. And we could start freaking out that we've got too much of it. It could go to 5%. And we could all start saying, no problem. It's just going to stay at five, but that's transitory. So this transitory argument is also a state of mind. You can't really data science. Here's the level at which we can officially call it not transitory anymore.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, what all my parting words here too, are that the, I think the growth uh, kind of tear down in growth expectations that we see, for example, in surge activity that began late March, early April. Fortunately, that has bottomed and and somewhat, you know, it started to bottom in in early to mid June. So my expectation is that if we get this um, kind of you know balance to somewhat improving expectations from. Uh, consumers on their spending behavior, uh, that could mean that yields really shouldn't be dropping that much further. Now, we haven't gotten into any of the technical talk about TGA and all that stuff. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, and yes, there next, was some next, next week's podcast. Exactly. That, <laughs> there was pressure there from that. But I, I agree with Jim, too much of the growth um, uh, expectation and from surge activity, actual spending correlates way too well with yields. And if that is going to persist, Fortunately, we've seen that become more balanced and it might be modestly improving, which means that yield should be sideways to moderately higher Probably not a lot higher. Um, we still think uh, range bound is the, is, the, um, is the game that we'll see for a while, but I wouldn't be expecting us to, to print 90 basis points on 10-year yields unless something drastic happened, like Jim said, with some kind of restrictions and so on. The consumer still wants to spend, still has savings, and you can see that in the search activity. So keep a really close eye on that stuff.
0: Well, thank you both for your thoughts today, and thank you everyone for joining us. As a reminder, Arbor Research and Trading is an institutional research and brokerage firm. Our two most prominent research offerings are Bianco Research and Arbor Data Science. For any information or questions, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Have a great day.